Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. My friend. Yes. On this episode of TFL Talking Trucks, I want to look into the future. I want to go to the future. And I want to show the audience the future. So if you're watching, everybody, look at your screens really quick because I am going to stand. I have stood. What is it? This is the future of TFL. That is a picture of Tommy screaming, oh, no. I wore it in honor of Tommy, who's right now off at another event. Yes, he's actually uh, at the uh, Hyundai Palisade event, (laughs) right? Yeah, which is exactly what Tommy should be covering, a family vehicle that can hold eight. Yes, luxurious, uh, expensive (laughs) family vehicle. Precisely. Well, not that expensive. Okay. Let's go into what we're going to be talking about on this episode, though, because there's Uh, a lot. We're not going to be talking about the Palisade. I'm going to let Tommy (laughs) do it, okay? Great. We're going to talk trucks. This is Talking Trucks, TFL Talking Trucks. Right. And we have a ton of news for 2023 models. This is what I mean when I say, let's look into the future. Okay. And in many cases, this future is now. (laughs) (laughs) When will then be now? Well, now. Which is right now. <laughs> Which is right now. Okay. But, Wait, but okay. Spaceballs reference for those of you who don't know what he tried to do. Sorry about that. It was good. It was good. Um, uh, so I want to hit some news. Mm-hmm. I also want to thank our Patreon supporters. Right. And I think we should get to that right away because our Patreon supporters have a lot of questions. There's been a little bit of a, a break and yeah. now we need to answer a lot of questions. Yeah. So I was, I was on vacation a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. for a week and I'm, I'm, I apologize. Well, I don't, don't apologize. apologize for my vacation. No. But I apologize for not... Uh, getting to your questions sooner. That's what I wanted to say. Okay, let's fire away. Uh, also, I have an interview in this episode. Oh, that's right. That's yes. going to come up near the end of this episode. Yeah. That's the second half of it. Basically. Yeah, totally. I spoke uh, about the distant future mm-hmm. uh, with the GM engineer, program manager for Hydrotech, which is their hydrogen fuel cell technologies. You've heard us on this show and other videos. Uh, talk about, of course, electrified pickup trucks, sure, uh, hybrids, plug-in hybrids. But we haven't touched a lot about hydrogen no. until this show. So this is going to be partially a hydrogen show. Hydrogen-fueled show. Okay. <laughs> so that's going to come up at the yes. second half of this yeah. show. The first half, we're going to cover some news. But first and foremost, we want to cover some story stories, some questions that came in from our Patreons. And by the way, thank you very much for your patronage. Through Patreon, it does help us do what we do. Yes. So patreon.com slash TFLcar is our only page there, and we appreciate your support. And this is the way we can talk to each other right. via this podcast. So first of all, I want to thank Wayne Akers, Warren Lear, Snowshark, Oliver Frischmuth. Oh, I'm sorry, Oliver. This is great. And Phil Hyde. For supporting us recently. Mm-hmm. This, Thank is you guys. W- this is within the last two weeks. Wow. Okay, great. Um, uh, these guys uh, supported us. Uh, but also, we have like seven questions. So um, Dave Stubbs uh, um, is uh, asking the following. Actually, first, it's a comment. Uh, Dave says he used to have a 2018 Raptor. Uh, the truck's name was Blue. Now he owns an Explorer ST. That's a pretty sporty SUV. Yeah, it's quick. 
and he says, would you mind doing more videos about comparing winter versus summer driving in EVs? That is a really good idea. And it's unusual for one reason. Because we're in the middle of a heat wave. It's 95 degrees outside, yes. which, you know, and it's been like that all summer. It's been a hot summer here. Yeah. And one of the things we do, and I'm so glad you mentioned this, is we do that often. We do comparisons between summer and winter and different driving conditions because we have them right here in our backyard. So if you're patient and wait for, I would probably say no earlier than the end of September, but probably at near the end of October is when we really start getting snow in the mountains. We should be able to do some of those comparisons. Yeah, and I think uh, also something smart to do, and I would like to do this, is compare an electric vehicle versus an ICE, internal combustion engine pickup truck. Yeah. Uh, both like running air, air conditioners in the summer, mm -hmm. like let's say maybe even stationary or driving in the same loop. That's good And idea. also comparing heating, because this is the question a lot of people have. Because I would bet you that for AC, for cooling, maybe the electric truck is a little bit better. But for heating, it may use more energy. You're right about uh, Well, the possibility, I, I totally get what you're coming But to we that. need to really find this out. Right, and maybe find out how much power has been drawn versus how much gas has been used and all those other things. So that's a great idea. So on top of showing driving conditions, Andre's mentioning, let's talk about how these vehicles are affected by the weather in these two major conditions. And I think that's a fantastic idea. Yes. So thank you, uh, Dave, uh, for that question. Uh, next, uh, I want to hit this news item. Uh, the 2023 Ford F-150 Lightning pricing was announced just a few days ago, just a couple yeah. days ago. Yeah. And it's a huge price increase, um, seven to $8,000 in some cases, higher than what it was. Uh, also, uh, interestingly enough, they are increasing their range estimate for the base uh, smaller battery, right, on the Lightning, from 230 miles to, to 240 miles. So it went up 10 miles. Right. But take a look at this, Nathan. Um, first of all, well, we're also on TFL Talk YouTube channel mm -hmm. for this podcast. So if you're watching us, thank you. If you're listening to us, Thank you as well. Thank you as well. And also, Andre is bringing up the lower section of the screen, which is showing the MSRP of the upcoming uh, Ford F-150 Lightning. And we could talk about the price increases and also the distance increase and how that actually happened. Yeah, right. so the distance increase, so this could be due to several things. First of all, retesting. Mm -hmm. Companies do this all the time. Right. Uh, new information comes to light. Maybe something changed. Maybe a testing procedure was adjusted. Um, and they can adjust that. Also, uh, Ford is experimenting with different battery chemistries. Mm -hmm. They're building, of course, new factories in Tennessee and other places. Right. Um, so those will come online later. So it could be multiple uh, factors. But uh, bottom line, according to their statement, they're saying that the cost of raw materials impacted price. I mean, uh, let's see. Uh, I can read the quote right here. Let's see, where is it? Um, well, I saw the one part where we are announcing current uh, order holders awaiting delivery are not impacted by these price adjustments. Yeah, that's just huge, right? Yeah. Because they received almost, what, 200,000 um, pre-orders, yeah. right, reservations. And they couldn't satisfy in, in 2022. So can you imagine if you're out of a pre-order, and we have several emails from you guys about this, and then all of a sudden your price goes up, seven or eight thousand dollars you could be uh, 
priced out of your truck, basically. You could be. So fortunately, it sounds like Ford is at least maintaining that, so they're showing good faith. Yes. So the Pro will now start at 46974 mm. It used to be just under forty. Right. So that went up about almost $7,000. Um, XLT will start at $59,400. XLT high-level content will start at $68,400. XLT high extended range battery, which is th- should be 320 miles of range. Right. 80. 80. Damn. And look, the truck we have, a long-term Lariat, extended range. Our truck with a few options was at 81. Now it will start at 85.9. Plus with a couple options, it could be an $88,000 truck. Well, I'm also looking at the uh, Platinum extended range at $96,874. That's insane. Yes. So, of course, yeah. So... Uh, suppliers, materials, uh, these trucks are not cheap to build, and we can see it in this price. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, so move, let's move on. Um, uh, next question on Patreon has to do with a new uh, next news item. Um, I don't know how this worked out, but it did. <laughs> Pretty amazing. So, Daniel Rates uh, says, um, I've been enjoying your Amps to Alaska series, which we've been doing with our F-150 truck. Right. Dude, we completed it. We are all done. We, we, yes. we made it up to Prudhoe Bay. We made it back. Everybody survived, sort of. So it's all good. Yes. So let me just get this picture up again. So this, we're still talking about the F-150. And uh, he, he, Daniel also says, I was listening to your TFL talk show for the cars, mm-hmm. right? And he said, um, Case and Tommy mentioned um, companies upcharging for software updates. He says one of the way one of the reasons companies do this, this is Daniel's statement, right. is because you can get somebody into that vehicle at a lower cost and offer them more functionality later down the line. Mm. I, I get the gist of it, right? Mm-hmm. So this is what Daniel says. But this has to do with our next story, isn't it? Right. And so for those of you who uh, agree with Daniel, that's great. Now, Daniel, I think there's a point to be made there, but I, I, dis- I disagree entirely i think that they are being a bit greedy because we're seeing it with luxury and mid-level models now and here's the evidence yeah yeah so this is a recent news story that just came out this week Mm -hmm. uh that at least for several general motors vehicles including the 2023 cadillac uh, escalade which Mm -hmm. is a premium suv right uh gm is now offering not an option but a mandatory subscription to onstar for three years for $1,500. $1,500 for something that you may or may not want. Yes, and I, I, I wanted to look into it further because this story was on many different um, outlets. Mm-hmm. I went to catalog.com, I built, went to their configurator, I tried to uh, build an Escalade for myself to my liking, and lo and behold, the three-year OnStar a connected services plan was there, right there, and I did not select it. It was just it just appeared. Right. So there's no box where you could just select or it or deselect it or right. whatever. Yeah. So in other words, you're stuck with this. So yeah. So why are they doing this? Well, we don't know. Well, obviously they're making money this way, but I think it still has to be an option. I mean, you cannot really force somebody to pay for features they may not need. Or want. I completely agree with you. And unfortunately, this is a bit of a trend. We've been seeing this with other automakers, German ones, where, I mean, there's stories of them removing the function of a heating seat unless you pay a subscription or even though if you have the switch and all the hardware. Yeah, this wasn't U.S.-based story. It was um, 
in other countries, right. but still, nonetheless, it is a story. And then when you look at that and look at what other people are thinking, well, hey, we can find a new way to bilk our consumers from you know, every dime that they have, and this is how we're going to do it. And I think it is utterly ridiculous. I think it's apprehensible, and I will not forgive General Motors for doing this. And thankfully, for now at least, at least, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Andre, but Chevrolet is not involved yet. Right, and other vehicles involved in this, uh, and I wasn't able to verify every vehicle that's involved, right. are some Buick models and also GMC models. So these are more premium vehicles. Right. Um, and you know what? Um, we recently had the Silverado Zero 2 long-term vehicle. It came with a, actually a free trial. This is a 2022 model. That's right. Right. It had Google-based infotainment system. I remember. Uh, and it was wonderful. Like yeah. voice activated, very easy, uh, very easy to talk to. And when you get used to it, I, I can imagine you can actually want to pay for that, right? But, uh, but what, what if you're forced to do it? And that's the question. You know, it, 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 there's, there's so many different levels to this. And there's so many different automakers that are paying very close attention to what's happening right now. And whether or not you, you know, when you buy your card, should you have to subscribe to keep it running? Or would you have to subscribe to make sure that you have heat? Or, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's going to, is it going to go there? Yeah, Who yeah, knows? Yeah, but so I, I think there is also maybe a different way to approach this. What if you actually added something that wasn't there before? Let's say you want to go to a trip to Moab. You've never been there before. And what if you wanted detailed maps like Onyx off-road? That's a really good you, point. You could pay for that. I would pay for that. Yeah. Right? So why, why not do that? Why, 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 why try to put the genie back into the bottle, right? Uh, but instead of that, maybe offer something new, some new functionality. So let's move on. Okay? Yes, I please. Think, I think we have spent enough time on this. Uh, we wanted to, I want to talk about one of our favorite trucks, Nathan. Which is this? Yep, the Nissan Titan and the Titan XD. Now, for you, just so you guys know, we know about the rumors that it's going to get the axe, but at least for 2023, it looks like it's coming back. Yeah, and Nissan just announced pricing for 2023 Nissan Titan and Titan XD. Like you said, um, the Titan two-wheel drive uh, King Cab, which is the extended version, right. not a full uh, crew cab, uh, will start at $39,700, which you and I calculated. Mm -hmm. We looked up at the configurators. It was about $900 more than it was the pre pri previous year. Okay. So it's not a major increase? No, no. And this is not a cheap truck to begin with. I mean, it's still pretty pricey, but still... You know, there's some people who would argue, Nissan, this is the last thing you need to do. Or right? if you want to sell your trucks and actually make a dent, you need to lower your price, not lift your price, right? Yeah, uh, th 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 that's a solid point. Uh, I would say um, one of the reasons why they're starting at, the, you know, 39 or 38 before was because it's a V8-powered beast, right? Other companies offer more, you know, value-minded uh, options. Right, of but course. But Nissan just, of course, goes straight for the V8, and that's what you have. Right. In fact, that's the only engine you get with yeah. either truck. And they have their nine-speed automatic transmission. We think that the Nissan's sort of an unsung hero amongst trucks. It's a good, solid, all-around truck. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, we can't verify those rumors, but it seems pretty logical that yeah, they would there, get rid of it. There are some people who are in the know who wanted to stay anonymous, who said uh, the Titan may go away in a couple of years. 
So we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Um, the Titan XD will start at 47,340, which is a crew cab four-wheel drive. So they're keeping the XD, check it out, only crew cab, only four-wheel drive. So they're kind of going after that kind of a more premium customer. Right. That makes sense. So now, now, dude, uh, let's, let's take a look at uh, what Tommy's been up to. Uh, Tommy, who is on your shirt? Tommy's on my shirt. So we are now talking about the new GMC 2023, I believe. Yep. GMC Canyon. And the picture, if you're able to see the screen, shows Tommy leaning on the hood, looking actually pretty slick. He looks pretty <laughs> happy um, at the hood of the AT4 Canyon. Yes. And there have been a lot of changes. Yeah, it's an all-new truck. It's kind of um, going alongside what the Colorado new truck did, right? But I think the styling is, first of all, really different from the Colorado and also unique, right, dude? Like, so a lot of people said that uh, 23 Colorado looks a little bit like uh, the Tacoma. Yeah, I disagree uh, with them, but I, but I get their point, too. Yeah, totally. I also disagree because I saw it in person. I went to Michigan. I saw the new Colorado Zero 2 in person. Right. It's really impressive. They put 33s on it. It's got a lot of tech. And it felt like its own truck. Like I didn't, ex I didn't think it was like you know they're trying to copy somebody. But I, I mm -hmm. get some of the some of those comments. Now Tommy uh, did a new story. Uh, we have many videos about us, so you can check it out at alttfl.com, uh, and you can check him out um, checking out this 2.7 liter turbocharged Canyon 84 and also 84X because they have many options now. Yeah, one of the questions I had about it was, do, is there three different powertrains like there is in the Chevrolet? I believe so. Uh, so we'll have to we'll have to let Tommy explain. Right. So definitely check out the video where Tommy gets into a pretty good uh, you know depth with his truck. And he went to Arizona for this in the middle of July. Which he's a brave man. He is a brave little guy. Good for him. <laughs> Excellent. I do think the trucks are pretty cool looking. I do think the GMC looks like nothing else, which is a good thing, I guess. So we're I think they're on the right path. We'll just have to see what they decide to do about powertrains. Yeah, and, and so what do you think about the diesel going away? That's one of the issues that yeah. I have. So there's the two sides. One is that a lot of people out there want a diesel. And the minute they said they're going to take it away, it doesn't matter because, you know, these people already bought something else. I don't think they're selling enough diesels to make, you know, their ROI. And then that's on the same time, if you think about the power that this vehicle is going to put out, from what we know just of Chevy alone, it should be significant, and that should be a powerhouse of a vehicle. Yeah, and I think where they're going with this is they're trying to simplify their basically lineup, right? They're going only with crew cabs, which I don't agree with. Right. I think they need to create more cabs, right? They need to create more bed lengths. They need to do more variations, but at least out of the gate, right? When this truck goes on sale in early 2023, mm -hmm. this new GMC Canyon, um, I think they're trying to streamline it, maybe lower the price in some cases. I hope so. Um, I know there's going to be premium Denali versions of this, oh God, yeah. uh, which will be stratospheric um, in price. Uh, but at least they can streamline it, offer us some good power and good technology. I agree with you 100%. Okay. So um, I want to hit one more news item. I, I know this. we still need to get to the interview. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we still need to get to uh, maybe one more question. So uh, the other news item is this, dude. Uh, it comes from Jeep. It's the Gladiator. Yeah. Now, before you guys get excited thinking that this is a 4xE or a 392 or something like that, it's not. Or at least that's not what the story is. No. The story is that this Jeep has essentially a paint job. 
High velocity yellow. Yeah, how that's what get... they're calling but it. That's green. Uh, you know what it looks like. Green? Remember the Tacoma with their lime lime rush and you know those yellow colors. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that are also kind of look a little bit green. So they're introducing this color. It's going to be an additional charge of three ninety five. Um, but we, we, we're not seeing any more. You know, they're saying it's a 2023 model, but we're not seeing powertrain traces or updates quite yet. Hmm, that's strange. Yeah, so, so here, dude, and um, I want to hit at least one more comment here on Patreon, uh, which comes from Julian Hall. I'm so sorry. No, it's... <laughs> I think it's epic. Um, so Julian says... Uh, first of all, thank you for doing the show, the podcast. Um, uh, thank you for, for saying that. Um, he says, I have a Badlands Sasquatch ordered, but still no VIN. Almost at a year now. The Frontier is nice. So he's looking at the Nissan Frontier, mm -hmm. but also um, would like a, a, a Bronco. So what are your thoughts on the Ford or Bronco and maybe an F-150 Tremor or the new tra Trail Boss Chevy? I think he means Silverado. Boy, well, this is a little bit different. So the obviously the four-wheel drive, four-door Bronco, will not have as much payload as a truck. Will not have as much uh, towing as a truck. That's true. And on top of that, it's uh, a completely different market, really, a different type of people. Yeah. So, so I would say, you know what, uh, the F one hundred and fifty Tremor will be offered as, with a Coyote in twenty twenty three. That's right. That's also a new story. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Julian, I'm sorry about your name pronunciation but i would recommend looking at those full-size trucks because i i think you would be happy about their performance off-road uh the tremor and the trail bus are quite capable but also having the power and payload and and a bed to, to boot actually the tremor the trail bus and the rebel are, yeah they're, they're I would all look at that. really would, yeah, definitely yeah. yeah definitely so so uh there you have it so now so we looked at what's happening within the next few months right uh maybe four to five months how what, what do you say we look a year or five years into the future. So we're going to talk about the future. Yes. Awesome. So, so th actually, this is a little bit coming from the past, too. General Motors has had, um, they've been playing with hydrogen fuel cells for decades. Yeah, that's right. Decades. Uh, remember a few years ago, uh, Roman went to test drive the ZH2 concept, little truck uh, that was powered by fuel cell. Mm -hmm. And now um, they're having mobile power units powered by hydrogen, which are really cool. And in the future, hopefully, we'll have more options other than batteries, dude, because battery technology, as we find out, is expensive and also limited. Tell me about it. Yeah. So let's go to the interview. Yes, hit it. Mike Bierman, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Uh, okay, Mike. So on this episode, um, first of all, introduce yourself, kind of set the stage, right? What kind of stuff have you been working on at General Motors? at the Hydrotech team. And then I kind of want to learn um, this ecosystem, you know, how do you get hydrogen, first of all? Apparently it's the most abundant element in the, in the universe, <laughs> uh, but it may not be easy uh, to get. And then how do we get, you know, electricity out of it, basically? Yeah, okay, so uh, I'm Mike Behrman. I'm a program manager at General Motors on our Hydrotech team, and I'm responsible for uh, essentially related <laughs> related to the uh, these systems. I'm responsible for fielding the equipment kind of all over the country and um, making sure we test their their capabilities and also demonstrate them in new fun ways. 
Uh, so in the last uh, about six months, uh, what we've done is we've taken our fuel cell, uh, they're called mobile power generation systems, um, or MPGS for short. And what we do is we'll, we will uh, use them however GM needs. So in, in the recent past, we've had a number of launches uh, and it, the launches, it's really great because they're, they're kind of all over the country and sometimes you find that there's more charging or less charging and, um, you know, my job is basically to figure out how much charging, how many people we'll need, and then how we make sure that we keep all the vehicles at that event charged. Yeah, so my, that was my first um, introduction to this. Well, not my first introduction, uh, because I mean, you, you've had, General Motors has had several concept vehicles even um, uh, which are hydrogen fuel cell vehicles uh, to begin with. Um, but I'm not talking about that. Uh, I, I want to talk about uh, this year, earlier in 2022, uh, there was a GMC Hummer EV truck launch in Arizona. And I saw a large kind of a gooseneck trailer with two hydrotech kind of, I would call them mobile cubes, if that's fair to say. <laughs> so yeah. these large kind of uh, large boxes uh, that were on this big trailer and they were providing energy uh, to charge the Hummer EV trucks, basically as a mobile situation. So that's when I got really interested in this because I was like, and it was really energy dense. That was my first impression because what, how many like Hummer EV trucks could you charge on one of those um, cubes, so to speak? Yeah, so they're, those are 60 kilowatt systems. They peak at 100 kilowatts. And in each of those trailers, I brought two. Each of them had about uh, 3,400 kilowatt hours. So we, we brought a lot of energy with us. Um, it, so each you know 30,000 pound trailer is pretty, pretty heavy because of the structure of the thing. But uh, we, we could charge and maintain you know, Hummers as much as we wanted. Really, we hit, we, we probably used half of the fuel that we brought. And uh, at that event, there were around 10 Hummers. They were driving continuously. Um, what we were doing is basically making sure they never had to leave and they were always full. And so we pretty much charged continuously 10 hours a day in the Phoenix heat. And you know we, we didn't have an issue, it was great. All right, so can you kind of describe what what has constituted one of those mobile units? I mean, what what is it like, and why does it have to be yeah. so heavy? First of all, so well, the mobile units aren't heavy; they're only four thousand pounds. So I'm, any of your trucks could you know pull them. But uh, the the mobile units, what goes into those? So the the core of every fuel cell system that we're we're working on right now is a power cube. Um, it's it's kind of our our solution to mobile energy. And in each power cube, what we do to produce energy is we bring in a hydrogen, uh, it's part of an anode and, and uh, oxygen that's the air is part of the cathode. And we use that with a membrane to create about a volt of electricity. We put a number of you know, volts of electricity, number cell, a number of cells together, and we're able to produce you know, pretty high potential. Uh, we boost it up and that's how we're able to charge vehicles. Um, so each of these systems, they have on board, um, you know, a, a electric turbo compressor for the air, and then they're paired with uh, stored hydrogen for the, the, the hydrogen side, the anode side of the system. So it works a lot like a battery. We produce uh, DC power, um, and it's actually really great for fast charging because that's, that's what you need to put it into the vehicle, right? We just have to control the voltage and the currents, and we do that through our boost system. I gotcha. So, and then um, the fuel for this is hydrogen, like you said, 
And then the fuel tank for the hydrogen is that's in, um, I've seen many different solutions to this, but that's kind of what it's also regulated, right? Because it has to be safe and it has to be very contained. Can you talk a little bit about the fuel tanks as well themselves? Yeah, they're, they're very regulated. Absolutely. Um, they, they store a tremendous amount of energy and, um, and so essentially with the fuel tanks and our systems, we're, we're flexible. We could take any commercial fuel tank as long as it's pure hydrogen, we can plug in, we can continuously run. If we were to get low on fuel, we can swap out the fuel tanks and we can continue running. We could run forever as long as I work with a fuel company to supply a different tank. And the ones that we brought to the event, they were, they were part of, um, I think at that event, they were from 1H2. So there's 230 kilograms of fuel on there, a tremendous amount of fuel. And from a safety perspective, um, you know, my team was, is, is hydrogen trained. So there's, there's several regulations that we follow. Uh, we're not within a certain distance of buildings. We're not within a certain distance of public roads and we're not within a certain distance of active air intakes. Um, hydrogen is one of the, the lightest, well, it is, is the lightest molecule. So it, you know, if it's ever vented, it, it escapes very quickly. Um, it's, it's very safe to work with. But you can imagine like the equivalence with diesel. If I had a big diesel rig there, I probably would have had to put a containment underneath it. With, with hydrogen, I have to worry about that kind of thing. Okay. So, so yeah. So, it's basically you want to obviously protect that tank as well, right? So, it's sitting in some yeah. sort of enclosure. Yeah. So, every one of, every one of those fuel storage uh, systems that you saw probably when you were there, they have a number of hydrogen cylinders in them. And then they have their own safety system for, for that, you know, that pack of cylinders. So it goes hydrogen cylinders, um, kind of a box to protect them, a bigger trailer, and then a safety system that goes on top of that. Okay, gotcha. So then um, you mentioned the charging speed, uh, direct current, so DC, uh, between what, 60 kilowatt and 100 kilowatt? Is that, what, is that what you were saying? Yeah, so every fuel cell system is paired with a battery. Um, it makes us, it, it gives us all the capabilities that you have for battery electric systems, but uh, it, it also gives us some storage capacity and we can use that however we choose. So one of the things that we do with our system is for a shorter period of time, we can boost up the energy up to hundred uh, kilowatts, but for sustained, we'd be at about 60 kilowatts. And that's like a kind of a buffer. So you're using kind of yeah. an onboard, onboard battery base, so to speak. Yeah, I exactly. So I've used these generators paired with an inverter, um, and I've used them for AC power as well. And it's really great because that battery is essentially you've got a big old battery backup in your inverter. It's uh, it's pretty great, great for that too. So okay, so are these currently like these are not commercially uh, available, right? Can I go out and buy one of these puppies? <laughs> You can't. No, you can't right now. Um, we're using these as part of a development project. Um, we're, we're working with companies so that the, the power cubes that General Motors makes could be integrated into their products. So we're working, we are working with generator companies, but we're also working in, in big trucking and also in aerospace and in trains too. I gotcha. So, so now, uh, you know, I, we get a little bit better understanding of the system itself, but now uh, how do you get the hydrogen there in the first place? Can you speak a little yeah. bit? Because I've heard absolutely. I, I had different <laughs> things because you know a, a lot of people say, well, it's really expensive to produce hydrogen. That's kind of why you know this is not hugely uh, available yet. Um, can you educate me about this? 
Yeah. So first of all, um, you know, getting a giant fuel trailer is not exactly the same as, you know, going to the gas pump. Um, what I, what I do part of my job when I'm looking at the events is I look at hydrogen suppliers and what they provide us. Um, and you know, there's a cost side of it, but there's also, you know, a capability side. So, um, you know, I have to look at what I think the needs of the event will be. And then I also have to think about what, what, what companies can provide. So, um, at all of these events, what I'll do is I'll, I'll reach out to a bunch of companies and, and usually they will, they will be able to provide fuel and um, it's just a matter of how much and when. So I haven't had a problem having this out in you know, North Carolina and Utah and Phoenix, um, the, the fuel suppliers, they truck fuel to me. And if I need more, I just give them a call and they'll bring more to me. It's actually really convenient. It's, it's surprisingly convenient. So, um, you know, when we were out in Utah for the Lyric launch, I was able to bring nearly 800 kilograms of fuel um, uh, working with a company called Sertaris. And they, they basically made it so that I could create a completely off-grid um, EV charging station in the middle of nowhere, 120 kilowatt, you know, capable station that could have run for, for nearly 40 days of operation. And, and, and in that, in that event, we were maintaining 20 lyrics. It was pretty, it was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. I mean, a pretty big installation, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was surprisingly mobile. So we've got the two trailers, uh, and then those are those each have generators on them. And then in in most of these events, I only bring one fuel trailer. And what I find is there's there's more anxiety than there is need. You know, um, so if if you do the math, usually what you'll do is you'll look at you know how far do people drive and how many you know kilowatt hours you think they'll use. And if if you're overly conservative, you think that you need a lot more than you actually need. And so we, you know, we typically for events, we brought a lot of fuel and we only use probably about half of it because, you know, we're, we're overly conservative, but. I gotcha. Well, do, do you have any uh, like vision into uh, the current kind of state of the art of how do you get hydrogen fuel to begin with? Like where, where, where is that at? Yeah. So there's two major routes for getting hydrogen. So hydrogen's everywhere. Um, uh, but it's it's very reactive, so it likes to stick to other molecules. And the major routes that you you get are um, through electrolysis, which is basically where you you break water into hydrogen and oxygen, um, and you can do that with any form of electricity. You can you can do electrolysis, and um, the advantage of that is that if it's paired with something that's green like solar, you can produce hydrogen for very low cost. So there's a number of uh, there's a number of projects both uh, in the States and in Europe where that pairing, they're trying to get zero emission hydrogen uh, cheaper than diesel, honestly. And they expect to be there by the end of you know, the decade. But those are, those are fairly aggressive goals. Um, the other ways that you can get it, there's a number of chemical processes uh, that produce hydrogen. Um, but the other more common way is taking an existing fuel and breaking out the hydrogen from the existing fuel. So you look at natural gas, there's hydrogen in natural gas. You look at, at um, uh, any form of gasoline or diesel, there's hydrogen in that. In most cases, it makes the most sense to, you know, if you've got fuel, use it with the type of vehicle that you, you've got. But um, there's also situations where, you know, if a chemical process produces a bunch of hydrogen, it's going to be extra, you know, companies will sell that. And that's how we were able to run one of our events. So it's, it's kind of got a greener footprint to it than it might be if you were to use fossil fuels. 
That's what we try to do. We try to, you know, we, we try to go for the greenest, you know, approach for each of these events. Yeah, it makes total sense. And, you know, a lot of these events and um, are in these remote areas, right? Like you were mentioning. Uh, so in Phoenix, it wasn't remote area, it wasn't near Phoenix, uh, but we were driving north of Phoenix, right? And we're using, going off-road in the Hummer uh, vehicles. And then in the Cadillac event, um, you were kind of, you know, in the remote area as well. So so that's important. So I, I'm just trying to think of uh, like in the, I don't know, not so distant future, um, you know, maybe more of these systems, you know, being commercially available and actually, uh, or even consumer available, maybe. Um, do you see do you see that time coming? That's an interesting question. So when you look at when you look at the system that we have, sixty kilowatts is a lot of energy for a typical consumer, right? Um, you know, I could see a consumer one day having a fuel cell vehicle, and every fuel cell vehicle being. Uh, you know, the backbone being electrical architecture, you know, all of those things that I've, I've seen in your other videos where you're, you're getting electricity out of your truck, you'd be able to do that with a fuel cell system. You'd still have the advantages of a, um, you know, of an electric vehicle, but you'd, you'd have some of the advantages of, uh, you know, what you'd see in a, uh, like a gasoline vehicle. So like fueling uh, a hydrogen system is very quick. It's just, you know, equalizing pressures really or pressurizing a system. And that can be done in nearly the same amount of time that you can, you can fuel a car. Um, and you might get the amount of power you need, you know, off your vehicle vice, you know, three, four, 10 times what you need, you know, off of a generator. So I could, I could certainly imagine, you know, hydrogen vehicles being a big change for, for that aspect, but commercially, um, you know, when you're talking 60 kilowatts and more, it's it's probably probably a better fit, right? Yeah, I was I was surprised. I was out in the field just just the other week, out in you know Camp Lejeune, working with Marines, trying to power their station. It's it's hard to find you know a need for as much as 60 kilowatts of power. It's a lot of energy, right? Um, vehicles, if you're trying to charge them quickly, yeah, that makes sense. But in, unless you're trying to charge a vehicle quickly, a lot of us don't have that. That kind of need for energy. Yeah, I gotcha. And uh, speaking of the military, um, several years ago, um, and we did several videos on this, uh, there was a ZH2 kind of a military vehicle concept. Um, I believe Roman uh, did a video. I wasn't there for that day, uh, but he, uh, they actually uh, were driving it around. Um, and I mean, they're commercially available fuel cell vehicles right now, uh, like, like you were saying. So um, but, and so, and the other byproduct of this, right? So you're basically adding hydrogen as a fuel, right? You have a fuel cell and you got electricity out of it. You can drive motors, right? And then uh, there's water, right? Yeah, our byproducts water, absolutely. And so, I mean, there's, you can imagine all the things that you can use that for. I mean, it being warm water, you can at first use that for, you know, heating of an environment if you needed to. And then after that, you could, of course, use it for processing or, you know, maybe even if you took the right filtering capabilities, drinking it. Yeah. So basically, there is a tailpipe and water comes out of it. Yeah. <laughs> in, this case, in, the, in this case, warm water, I guess. In the case of the generator systems, we, we have tanks on board, so you can you can just keep it and take it with you. Yeah. So the water, oh, it's kind of self-contained. So, so. It, it can be yep we've got a you can either let it let it out like through a garden hose or you can keep it all 
yeah, I gotcha. So that's that's pretty interesting. Um, so so you were saying, um, so you when you brought the system, for example, in Phoenix, the one I saw, um, what? So there was like a thirty thousand pound trailer. Um, is that how heavy those two units were, or? No, no, no. So the generators themselves are about 4,000 pounds. Um, those are the very mobile units. Uh, I, I trailer them around all the time going to different events. Um, the fuel trailer that I mentioned was 30,000 pounds. And that's where, you know, a company, what they'll do is they'll, they'll maximize their capability to tow. They'll, they'll bring as much fuel as they can. And either that happened to be around the, the limit of the trailer. Um, so in some cases, I work with really, I, I'll, I'll run the system. It, it, honestly off from uh, like a, a k bottle you know sometimes if, if i need to but i can also pair it all the way up to you know hundreds and hundreds of kilograms um for for longer events right you you look at your use case you look at the mobility in the situation and you you kind of send what you need to so there's there's a situation where we were supporting a calibration trip out out in michigan with some of the hummers and it's out at silver lake um, I don't know if you, you're familiar, but there's a bunch of sand dunes there. Yeah. And we, we, in just one day, we drove um, both of our generator systems and then uh, a fuel trailer, and we were able to supply them basically so they could have done that as long as they wanted to. And so I think from that capability, you know, that's really there right now. It's a surprising thing. You can take same day, you can say, hey, I want an electric charging station right there. And, you know, we can do it. It's, it's real. Yeah, and, and it's a little surprising to me because uh, in general, uh, I think when you're talking about mob creating mobile electricity or having a, some sort of a source or a temporary source, right? Um, somewhere, a temporary installation, people usually tend to think like a diesel generator or a gasoline or propane something system, but, but people usually don't go to, to, you know, their mind doesn't go here. <laughs> maybe yet right yeah i think it's a yet thing right because there are certain advantages that we have over over diesel i mean the biggest one is just noise you know um i, I hopefully you notice that we're, we're quite a bit quieter than a diesel you can have a conversation right next to the generators and and then you know a diesel will roll up and you, you'll have to stop talking um and you know when we're running at 60 60 kilowatts i mean that's that's you know, pretty screaming for the system, you know, that's, uh, that's right up there. And if you can imagine if you had your foot on the throttle of a diesel, it's quite a bit louder. So um, there, there's that advantage, of course. Um, I, I mean, I personally like the, the zero emission aspect. Um, uh, but I mean, also, you know, generators, um, you know, our system has a really good track record for maintenance. And that's, that's another aspect of this, you know, they talk about how uh, electric systems are, are kind of probably better on the maintenance side. We don't get anywhere near as hot as a diesel because we don't have any combustion. And so, I mean, there's, there's certain advantages from a maintenance perspective for that as well. What about some like extreme environments? Like we talked about Phoenix, that was hot. Uh, what about the extreme cold or even more hot environments? Yeah, so I've, I've, uh, I've run the system out in uh, a foot of snow before um, and and we had to do development, so we just did. We did it in the snow. Um, so uh, the fuel cell systems are able to heat themselves up. Um, that that's really not a problem. Uh, in even more extreme heat, 
I'm I'm looking for hot places to take them. Honestly, yeah. uh, I I have a lot of confidence in the system, um, and you know I think it can take it. Uh, another one that I didn't hear you mention is elevation. And um, you know we do bring gases into our system, but uh, out in Utah we we're at seven thousand feet. We didn't have a problem. So it's another one that that you know might not apply to uh, an electric vehicle, but would certainly apply to a gas or diesel. And you know we don't have a we're capable of operating in those environments as well. Yeah, that's an interesting point too. Uh, uh, for example, we do a lot of our um, like off-road driving and testing above twelve thousand feet too. So I mean, I can see different events being at you know higher elevations as well. Uh, at least in Colorado, you know, in Colorado areas over here. But there's not like a limitation on elevation. You're saying. So we we do bring. Uh we do bring air into our system and we do compress it. That's on the, on the cathode side of our system. So, um, you know, it, it is, it is a factor, but it's, it's something that we've, we've got a track record where we've proven that we can, we can handle it as well. Because like you said, you have a compressor, right? Basically, yeah. uh, um, think of it as a turbocharger, so to speak. It's a, it's an electric turbocharger. That's exactly yeah. what it is. Yep. And, uh, and so we'll we'll have you know we might lose some efficiency and we might be spinning the turbocharger a little bit faster, but we still work. You know, it's not a it's not a problem. That's very interesting. So uh, I mean, where do you see this going? I guess uh, five to ten years from now. Yeah, I think I think five years from now, um, you know. I think people will start realizing that that there are a lot of these things out there. I have I have a lot of fun right now because you know I get to show people these things for the first time, and that that really makes me happy. You know, caring as much as I do about green energy. Um, but I think five years from now they're going to be you know relatively you know commonplace in 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 the right environments. And I think ten years from now, I think in a lot of ways they're probably going to be you know, cheaper in some ways than, than other systems. So I'm, I'm really excited where we are right now. It's, it's a very exciting time to be in hydrogen. Well, very cool. Well, uh, uh, Mike, I really appreciate your time. Uh, I certainly learned a lot. Uh, and um, I mean, I'm looking forward to more of this. Uh, we recently uh, drove an electric pickup truck um, to uh, Dead Horse, Alaska, Pruto Bay. Um, and um, it's our series we call Northern, Northern Lightning. And uh, we could have used one of those systems up there. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully, hopefully one day, you know, I'll, I'll get a chance to bring our HydroTech system up there and we'll, we'll take care of that problem. <laughs> yeah, totally. So Nathan, when people talk about generators, right, they usually think about diesels, sure. maybe propane, mm -hmm. natural gas, etc. So I think, as you just heard in this interview, I think the hydrogen fuel cell is going to be a really interesting and also relatively re renewable uh, green choice for generators. And I cannot wait. I think it's fascinating. And, and, and bear in mind, the infrastructure is building, everything else is building as well. So in time, we're going to be having more remote areas where you can use this type of technology. Like Alaska, like we, we've seen. Precisely, yeah. which <laughs> really could have used a lot more. And in the near future, we'll be doing more trips like that, which will be able to take advantage of some of this new tech if it comes out. So once again, I want to thank uh, everybody uh, for your time. Um, hopefully uh, you caught a glimpse into the future of trucks. And as always, we'll see you next time. And also, alltfl.com is where you'll see everything automotive, right? That is correct, my friend. Everything automotive. It's going to be sweet. 
Thank you. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.